keep trying to conform the church to look like the world enough that we can get the world in here. But the problem is, when you start changing the church to look like the world, all you're really doing is compromising. All you're really doing is causing the church to not be what Christ called it to be. Amen? Because the reality is, they're not here anyway. I ain't going to win them with programs. I ain't going to win them with music. I'm not going to win them with anything but Jesus. And that's it. That's the only thing that got me was Christ, Amen. the gospel. Amen? Amen. And anytime we compromise the gospel to try to please men, all we're going to end up with is a worldly church full of worldly people who are lost and sitting in a building and living a lie because they think they're going to heaven. All because they're in the building and they think that's it. Amen? Now, I know this is a, a very worldly movie, but Wesley Snipes said you can put a cat in the oven and it don't make it a biscuit, right? Amen. Know what he said? You can put a cat in the oven and it don't make it a biscuit. That's true. You can set a sinner in the middle of a church service and it don't make him saved. Okay? You can put a, you can put a sinner on, on, on the deacon board and it don't make him saved. You can put a, a sinner behind the pulpit and it don't make him a preacher. Okay? The reality is God calls preachers. God calls people from darkness to light. God saves. He's the only one that saves. We don't do anything in the work of salvation. And then all we do is preach Christ. Now you preach Christ with words, and you can preach Christ with your life. You can preach Christ how you treat people. It's all about Him. Because when people see your good works, they're going to glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. We got to get away from all this worldly stuff. You know what I mean? Yep. Now, it's all right to be excited about Jesus, okay? Everybody in this room knows me good enough that they know I'm excited about knowing Jesus. Amen. And I'm not ashamed to dance. I ain't ashamed to shout. I ain't afraid to raise my hands. I ain't afraid, okay? But, but, but I'm going to say this. <laughs> Shouting and raising your hands won't get you saved neither. Being excited, having mental, having a mental experience of getting excited, having an emotional experience, won't get you saved either. Nope. And you can be just about as excited as you want. You can go to a church service, you can get all excited, cry at the altar, fall down, and you could fall down a, a, a dead, lifeless sinner and get lifted back up a dead, lifeless sinner, and nothing happened because there was no real born again experience. Yeah. Happens all the time. Yep. Happens all the time because people think I can do it by knowledge. Just, just knowing about it will make me attain it. Just knowing about it. But that's not enough. The devil believes. The devil believes and trembles. It's more than belief. It's more than just believing. A belief that doesn't change me is not true faith. True faith 
changes you. Amen. True faith makes you brand new. I, I have to start, we got to start calling sheep, sheep, and goats, goats. We got to start calling it out like we see it. First person you got to be honest about and two is yourself. Any person who thinks they're in Christ first needs to be honest with their self. Paul said, let each man examine himself to see if he be in the faith. Well, hold on. He was talking to church folks. Why would he say that to church folks? Because just because people are at church don't mean they're saved. Woo, come on, man. I'm just, I'm, the, I'm so over this. Let's just, uh, we want the bare minimum, preacher. Just, just give us the bare minimum. Now, before I talk about prayer, I'm going to give you the bare minimum of following Jesus Christ. This is the gospel truth, okay? Salvation is not by works. We don't earn it. We do not deserve it. It is by grace we are saved through faith. That is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Amen? Amen. We're saved by grace. Amen. Notice what it says, though. Saved by grace through faith. So, faith in the process of the grace, this faith is not a faith that is by itself. James said this. Faith without works is dead. Being alone. In other words, a faith that does not produce fruit is empty faith. And this kind of faith will not save. Do you understand that? So grace through faith and faith has to produce results. Amen? Now you can always tell when somebody really born again. Okay? They don't ever have this story. Well, you know, if this doesn't work out. You know what I mean? How many of you ever met somebody that, that put their hand to the plow and then they walked on? And then they, they, they were saved and then now they're, now they're not. And it's kind of walked away. Look, I'm going to tell you right now. Anybody that walks away, I don't know if they got it. I don't know if they were there. Because the reality is, once you're there, there ain't no going back. I'm at a point in my life where there ain't no going back. You understand? I got nothing else. This is it. Jesus is all I want. Jesus is all I got. Jesus is the only thing that's going to get me through. How can you get in the Father's hand and then get snatched out of the Father's hand? My point is, if you get in the Father's hand, Jesus said, anybody that's in my Father's hand can never be plucked out because my Father is greater than all. Amen. Let me ask you a question, Mike. Is God greater than you? Is God greater than you? Then if God's greater than you and you, then you can't take you out. Greater than all. Are you in all? Are you all? Are you part of all? Come on. I mean, this is basic four-year-old grammar with a, 
with a three-letter word that's one syllable, okay? All. Yep. Amen? Amen? Let's get it right. So my question for people who are coming to our church, my question for people who watch our Facebook or listen to our, uh, our, our podcast is not, is not, hey, are you just kind of waffling? I'm going to tell you, if you're waffling, it's not because you don't know Jesus. Or it's not because you know Jesus. If, 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 if you just can't make up your mind whether you want to follow him or not, chances are, if you ain't made up your mind, you ain't really committed. Amen. Chances are, if you ain't made up your mind, if you're really going to follow Christ or not. Amen? I know. I know it's hard. It's a, look, we all want it to be sunshine and rainbows and fat naked angel babies. We like that stuff because it feels good, it looks good, and it doesn't challenge me. But the challenge is this. Not all of us who call on the name of the Lord are going to be saved. Isn't that what he said? He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, you say, well, he said in 1 Corinthians, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yep, because they have to call right, and they have to do it on God's terms. Yeah. They don't get to say, God, I need you, but here's how I want it to work out. Right. You don't get to go, God, I want to be saved, but can you do it my way? Because <laughs> that's what we got. We got people that they, they, they want to, they, they, they seemingly have a want to follow Christ. But they don't want to die at the same time. Because the reality is, to follow Christ means I have to die to myself. Amen. That's what following Christ, he said, unless, unless you take up your cross, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Amen. We got a whole lot of people that claim they want to be disciples. They claim we're committed. Amen? Amen? Let's be honest. First person we got to be honest with is us. Amen? Amen? Look at yourself. Say, am I committed? Am I really committed? Am I, have I really decided that ever? What did, what did Jesus say? He said, if anyone wants to follow me, let them count the cost. Amen. Isn't that what he said? He said, does anybody build a tower except they sit down and first count the cost? whether they can with this much and the, unless they start building the foundation and then they run out and then everybody starts mocking them and say, look, this man was going to build, but he ran out of money and couldn't finish. you got to count the cost Amen. of following Jesus. Hold on a minute, preacher. You said it was free. It is free. But grace costs you something still. In the transaction of receiving the free gift, there's several things that happen. I die to myself. My wants, my needs. That's why what we're going to talk about it in a second. Jesus didn't teach. When you pray, say it. Pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Give me my kingdom come and let my will be done. He didn't say that, did he? Why? Because it ain't about your will. Nope. Ain't about your kingdom. It ain't even about your name. Because there's only one name that we're supposed to be lifting up. Amen. Amen. Come on. It's just basic stuff. Amen. 
is free, but it also requires a change, a shifting, a molding into something new. Any man that be in Christ is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Either that's true or it isn't. Either Jesus was telling us the truth and said, if you don't, if you're not ready to renounce all that you have and come and follow me, you're not worthy of me. Those are Jesus' own words. The same guy that said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe would not perish but have everlasting life. Right? So even in John 3.16, if we have to put it into context everything else Jesus said, belief there doesn't simply mean belief. It means so much more than that. He said, if you're wanting to be my disciple, you've got to deny yourself, take up the cross, follow me, renounce all that you have. Hold on. Didn't he just say believe? Yes, he's telling you what belief looks like. A true believer is going to be devoted to Christ. True believer is going to be devoted to the things of God. Amen. That's what we've been talking about in prayer. And that's why I let in with this, okay? Because the reality is all of this talk about prayer and why we should pray and, and the purposes of prayer, our attitudes in prayer, the way we should approach God, all boil down to how we see God and how we see ourselves in the respect to salvation, to eternal life. Do I believe that eternal life is all about me and what I get? Or is it about Christ and what Christ has done? Because if it's the former, I'm lost. If it's the latter, I'm doing it right. Amen? Amen? We've got to get our perspective right when it comes to prayer and comes to being following after God. You know, all those other gods in the Old Testament... It didn't matter until Israel started following them. What did it mean to follow Baal? Well, you went to Baal's altar and you sacrificed and you prayed. What did it mean to follow Asherah? Well, it meant you went to that Asherah pole, wherever it was, and you went there and you prayed. I have a question about that. Go ahead. What it is. An Asherah pole was a carving made of wood that they worshipped. It was a god in the Canaanite world. It was, they called it Asherah. If you remember the Asherah, yes. There was, a, you remember when Elijah was on top of Mount Carmel? Well, it wasn't just the prophets of Baal there, was it? It was the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah that was there. And they all called out to their gods, and the gods didn't answer. And then Elijah called out to God, and he answered with fire, and then they killed all the false prophets. Wouldn't that be a novel idea to start doing nowadays? Just stoning false prophets. Come out with a word, and it don't happen. Guess what? We're having a church council meeting tomorrow, and you're getting stoned. Yeah, we don't need to do that. We're under grace, right? Amen. It's a good thing we're under grace. Because if we were still under the old covenant, be a, be a whole lot less prophets. Yeah. Amen. The realities that God 
institutes prayer as an act of worship, as an act that shows that we are loyal, devoted, committed followers of Christ. Prayer shows that. Jesus said when he flipped all the, the tables over in the temple, my father's house shall be called a house of prayer. Not money changers, not sacrifice, but prayer. Amen? Why did Solomon, what did Solomon do when he consecrated the temple? He prayed that God would hear the prayers of all of Israelites who came to the temple. And even went as far as to pray for all the prayers of the foreigners who came into that place to pray. Why? Because prayer is how God knows we're following him. Come on, man. This is not hard. This is not rocket science. Amen? Amen. Now, I want to talk to you about what you are seeking. Amen? I know that was a long intro into a simple subject like prayer. But I wanted to give you the perspective that we should have about prayer. Because as people who have been completely bought redeemed, taken from darkness to light, where I was dead in my trespasses and sins, and I could not reach God. God changed me right in the middle of that and turned me into the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus by the grace that he showed me when he saved me. Amen. And that she caused me to want to seek God. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start at verse 25. Jesus' very famous words, part of the Sermon on the Mount, we preach this over and over and over and over, and I'm going to preach it some more tonight. Amen? Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, he said, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious. Now, the King James says worried, I think. If anybody has King James, I, Mike's got his hands full. Judy, you got the NIV, right? What does yours say? She said, I'll have to look it up. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. He says, therefore, do not be anxious. Mine says anxious. Pretty sure King James says. NIV says worry. Anxious, worry. What does King James say, Mike? careful for nothing. Now that's old terminology for don't be anxious. Don't be worried. Don't be fearful. Amen? Now I want to talk about this because how we pray, we talked about our attitude in prayer. We talked about how we approach God, how he's God, he's in control, where we talked about in, in the, the uh, uh, Matthew 6 earlier on in the um, Lord's Prayer, where God's will matters in prayer, amen, where we can't just dismiss God's will in the middle of our praying, amen. So here we want to talk about what are we seeking, okay? 
So let's read this all the way to the end of the chapter. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, could add a single span, a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed as some of these. Now this is a big statement because I think we don't quite understand how rich Solomon was. Okay? Do you understand that Solomon was so rich, the Bible says that nobody will ever be as rich as Solomon was. Do you understand that Solomon weighed out his gold and silver by the hundreds of thousands of pounds a year? That's how wealthy Solomon was. Solomon was so wealthy that he built a temple and a palace. And it didn't take him very long to do it. Overlaid the temple furnishings with pure gold. The pillars made of pure brass. When, when, the, when the Babylonians came in and destroyed the temple years, years later. We just got through reading the book of uh, Second Kings. We just finished it. And we got through the destruction of the temple. And it says that there was so much brass and precious metals that it was beyond measure. There was so much they couldn't even measure it out as they were taking off with it. And this is Solomon. And God said Solomon in all of his splendor was not arrayed as one of these flowers. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, all you, of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we wear, or what shall we uh, drink? For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you have need of them all. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious about itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now here's the thing. There's a few things I've noticed in here. He's telling us first, be, don't be anxious. And then he gives you an example. Look at the birds in the air. And then he asks a question. Which of you for worry? 
can add a single span to your life. Right? Huh. And then he gives you an example. Look at the birds in the air. Amen? Or, excuse me. Not, not that one. He said, look at the lilies of the field, right? Gives you another example. And then he says, but if God clothes the grass in the field that's here today and tomorrow's thrown into the oven, will he not much more take care of you? Now, it always puzzled me why he said, oh, ye of little faith. Because you're thinking, what is he talking about? Worry? What? Yes, worry is having a lack of faith. Because this is what worry says when I'm worried about all the things. Notice he says, the Gentiles seek after those things. Since we're all Gentiles, I'm going to say it to you this way. Unbelievers seek after all these things. Do you understand it now? Unbelievers seek after all these things. Whenever they're talking about Gentiles in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, Jesus was talking to Jews here, and he was liking their faith, and then he said, the Gentiles seek after this stuff. Why is he, why is he making that comparison? Because Jews were the believers. They knew God. Why did they doubt God? They're the ones that saw God split the Red Sea wide open so they could walk over on dry land. They're the ones that saw God with a pillar of fire by night, the pillar of smoke by day, who saw birds fall from the sky so they could eat manna coming from the ground every morning, due so they could have something to drink, water from a rock. Are you kidding me? Amen. Yet you don't think God will clothe you and feed you and take care of you. Oh, ye of little faith. And then he says something that really challenged them. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So my message tonight, Christians, is in prayer. Prayer should be you seeking God's kingdom. Prayer should be you seeking God's kingdom. Seeking God's righteousness. Seeking after God. That's what prayer is. Not a magic moment for rubbing the lamp so you can get what you want. We already heard in James 4 and 3 how you ask matters. He said you have not because you ask not. And when you do ask, you ask amiss because you want to squander it on your own lust. Amen? You don't think I want a, a 2020 Camaro ZL1 1LE 775 horsepower? You don't think I want that? Man, who doesn't exactly, right? Who don't? Uh, she just wants a ride in it, okay? But the reality is we have not most of the time because we ask not. I'm going to stop right there because there's so many people who aren't praying anyway. 
Amen. There's so many people that don't even take, and they claim to be Christians, they claim to be followers, but the problem with this is, look, if you are a follower and you haven't been praying, then I think you ought to get on your face and repent, which is part of praying, okay? <laughs> right? Right? You ought to pray to repent, and then repent for not praying, and then start praying. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on, we got to start praying. You have not because you ask not. Okay? And then we got to understand that there's a right way and a wrong way to pray. Okay? He said you have not because you ask not, but when you do ask, you're asking amiss. Amen. That word amiss means you're asking wrong. To say that you're asking amiss means that there's a right way to pray. Amen. And James talks about that. James talks about that. <laughs> John talks about it. God's will matters. 1 John 5 and 14 says that if we, we know that if we ask anything according to his will, we will have whatever we ask for. So the important question isn't what you want. The important question in prayer should be, God, what do you want? Amen. It should be, God, what do you want for me? Because this is what I need. This is I need this and I need this. Look, God wants you to bring your list. God wants you to bring the things that are hurting you. God wants you to say, Lord, I need help with my electric bill. I need help with this. I need help with my sister, my brother, my family needs help. God wants all those prayers. God covets you bringing those prayers to him. But what we can't make the mistake of is thinking that we can have the outcome we want. Amen. Amen. God's will in prayer matters. Amen? It absolutely does. That's why you hear all the time, so-and-so got mad at God because they prayed, and they prayed, and God didn't hear them. Well, you're mad because you think God didn't hear you, and what I'm hearing is you prayed, and it wasn't God's will. <laughs> Come on, because we know in the book of Job, Job looked at God and said, I know that you can do all things, and nothing can thwart your purposes. Amen. Meaning if God determines to do something, there ain't a thing anybody's going to do to stop it. Amen. One of these days, there's coming a judgment where all these people who wouldn't bow their knee. Yep. Am I preaching good now? There's coming a day when everybody on this earth is going to bow their knee and confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. It ain't about when. It ain't about if you're going to bow. It's about when you're going to bow. Either you bow your knee right now, get saved, confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and live your life for him, or when you're about ready to split hell wide open, you're going to bow your knee. Confess Jesus and you're going to get thrown into the lake of fire. Yep. And there ain't going to be anything anybody can do to stop it. It will happen. The reality that we have to understand God's sovereignty in his church nowadays is, is something of a magnanimous Proportions. We, we don't get it. We don't understand God being in control. We like thinking I'm in control. We like thinking that, you know, 
Uh, look, I make my plans, but God orders my steps. That's what the Bible says. God will use your free will to accomplish his ultimate will. No matter what. You might think it's accidental. You might, it might look that way to you. But that's because you're a finite creature with a finite little brain that can only comprehend God this far. Amen. 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 And from the inside of our little tiny bubble, we go, oh, I don't know how that happened. And God's looking on the outside going, I know exactly how that happened. Amen. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. Come on. I'm almost done. But faith in prayer also matters. Amen? I said this before and I'm going to say it again. God is in control, right? What we don't know is that God may very well want our prayers to be the very thing that he uses to reach or to touch or to help someone else. That's why we're told to pray. Because we don't know the will of God to you. I mean, how many of you know God's will for you five minutes from now? Most of us do not know. We just wait and see when five minutes gets here and we go with it. That's what happens. We don't know anything. We just act like we do. Amen. Five minutes from now, I may walk out the door and I may have a heart attack and fall on the ground. Nobody knows. Except God. Because it's appointed unto man once to die. And every one of us got that appointment. And he's got the day and the hours of our life written in his book, the Bible says. Span of my life written in his book. He already knows got the hair of my head numbers. Yep. Even the white ones. Amen. Especially the white ones. Especially the white ones. <laughs> Faith in prayer matters. Hebrews 1. Y'all, Hebrews 11. 1, excuse me. Y'all know this one. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. We love that verse. Oh, that means I can have, I can believe for what I cannot see. That's very true, but he's talking about a specific thing in Hebrews, okay? He's talking about awaiting the promises of God in Hebrews 11. So what he's saying is, my faith right now is the substance of what I'm hoping for. One of these days there's coming a day when Jesus comes down and he translates my earthly body into a glorious body just like his. And I'm going to be in a heavenly home and that heavenly home is going to come back to this earth. Amen. Come on. We're preaching right now. This right. is come on. good stuff. That's my hope. That's the, that's the thing I'm hoping for. Amen. Is the promise. Amen. And he spends all of Hebrews 11 talking about men who were awaiting the promise of God. Abraham, Moses, you know, all the great ones in Hebrews 11. I'm going to turn there just so I can show you all. I'm going to just throw out some names here real quick before I close. Hebrews 11. Ha, let's watch this. Abraham, Moses. We already said them, right? Uh, Who else? Gideon, Barca, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel. Come on now. All these people had faith for the promise. Amen. Amen. Now watch this. 
Hebrews 11, 6. Also a great verse. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever draws near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Diligently seek him. Not diligently seek stuff. Not diligently seeking fame. Not diligently seeking to make their self great. Because we know that God humbles those who are proud and he, he, he exalts the humble. Amen. We know that's how God operates, right? So we can't we can't for a minute think that when we're walking in uh uh uh, uh what am I trying to prideful praise when we start praying pridefully like God give me this for my ministry and God give me this for my family and my my mine God's going no it's mine God doesn't share his glory with anybody. Amen. Amen? Amen. Come on. Lastly, <laughs> this is good stuff. Faith. Faith. We talked about it earlier. Faith without works is dead. Faith that does not produce. Let's say it like this. Paul said, I died with Christ. Yet I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What's he really saying? Kevin's dead. What Kevin wants is dead. What Kevin desires is dead. And now all that's about is Jesus and what Jesus wants. Amen? Amen? Last one. I think I already did it. James chapter 5. He says this. I want to, I don't want to, don't want to overdo it, but James 5. We talk about the prayer of faith, okay? He says, Is anyone sick among you? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed any sins, he will be forgiven. Now, there's a teaching out there that this is some kind of different kind of prayer. You know, the, we've got to pray the prayer of faith. Every prayer ought to be of faith, okay? Anybody that comes to God, we ought to cover that in Hebrews, right? Anyone who comes to God must believe that he is and he's a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. You can't come to God without faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So every prayer should be done with faith. There's not no super spiritual prayer of faith. He's emphasizing that prayer must be done in faith. Sproul says this. He says there is no special prayer of faith that has an inherent healing power over any other prayer. Instead, the power of trusting and faithful prayer is accented here. The Christian community should be devoutly engaged in intercessory prayer for the sick. Even as the Christian offers this prayer 
God's sovereignty just because we pray in prayer of faith. Amen? Because God doesn't ask for my permission. And God will do what God wants to do. He doesn't ask my counsel. Amen? The Bible says he don't take counsel from me. Amen? God works all things according to the counsel of his own will and for his own purpose. Amen? So we got to understand when we're praying that it ain't my will. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I'm closing right here. Closing my Bible, closing my notes. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Now, do you think Jesus was actually, uh, had any idea that he was going to get out of this? No, because he had already told them for three years that the Son of Man must go to Jerusalem, must die, and three days later rise from the dead. Amen? Jesus knew what he was in for. And some people go, well, you see, Jesus had his own will, and it was, uh, you know, counter to the Father's will. No, Jesus' will was never in disagreement with the Father's will. Not ever, not ever. Amen. What you're seeing here is Jesus' flesh. Y'all got flesh. You know what he's talking about. What if I told you that five minutes from now is going to be the time you're going to die? What if I told you that? Your flesh Chances are your flesh is going to go, ah! Right? You're going to be like, oh no! There's so much I need to do! So much I need to say! So much I haven't done! Right? Right? That's what you're going to do! No matter how old you are, that's what you're going to do! So Jesus' flesh in the garden of Gethsemane was going, ah! No! Surely that's another way! But Jesus knew. Jesus didn't come to do his own will. And the very thought that the church could seek to do its own will when the master of the church, the head of the church, didn't come to do his own will. Are you kidding me? We must do God's will. Amen? Amen? Prayer should be me seeking God. Amen? That's why I titled this, What Are You Seeking? Foundation of Prayer. The foundation of prayer is what I am seeking. Amen? Amen. All right, you can stand. We're going to close. Praise the Lord. Everybody said amen. That's a little longer than I normally preach on Wednesday night. Is it not? I ain't been going that long. Oh, I'm doing all right. I'm right on time. See, I'm learning. Getting it down. Father God, we just thank you and praise you, Lord, for your word. Lord, I thank you that we can continue to learn and grow as we study your word, God. Help us, Lord, to study to show ourselves approved, God. Workmans who do not need correction, God, but that can rightly divide the word of truth. Lord, I pray that every Christian in our city, and I want to pray just for our church family right now too, God, for Agape Fellowship Church, Lord, that the people of this church would begin to understand the importance of prayer 
our need for prayer. And Lord, I pray that you would start to build a devotion in their heart to prayer, God. That we would be committed to praying, God. Not to pat ourselves on the back, or to, but Lord, because it is part of our worship. It's part of who we are as followers of Christ. It's part of how we show you that we're committed to following you, Lord. Help us, encourage us, uplift us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.